Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of DN Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my handy magic item giver outer, Ben Bumhopper. How you doing? Hello, ben? Ryan. <laughs> Oh man, and okay, so the really fun thing is is realizing that yeah, as DMs we 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 populate the world with magic items and they're great and they're fun and I love them. And then sometimes you realize, oh, that was the worst mistake I possibly ever could have made. But at the same time, it adds so much more depth to gameplay and uh I'm actually really excited to talk about uh some magic items this week. Yeah, we're gonna we we've talked a little bit about like magic systems and items in general, but this week we're gonna kind of deep dive into magic items themselves, kind of go through some of our favorite magic items, um, and uh, some of the things you can do as a DM with them. And then at the same time, uh, when we jump onto our player side of things, we're gonna talk about some potentially more easily accessible magic items than some of our favorites uh and which ones can really be useful to help the party out so uh and just kind of as like a primer a little intro uh magic items and magic item distribution is always a really interesting things and there's there's for the most part two schools of thought on this one you got the probably more old school of all right you have finished the dungeon roll on this loot table right and after you roll on this loot table and this loot table and this loot table you get this item and this item and this item that's a completely legitimate way to do it mm-hmm, it is definitely it can definitely introduce a lot more chaos into your campaign because you are then not controlling the the flow of items or necessarily or what is actually going into the player's hands, which in some cases that's fine. That's great. Yeah. Depending on what it is, definitely. It's 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 there's there's completely a type of campaign that that is great for. However, I I have found um uh, the the other kind of school of thinking is the DM purposefully either places magic items in the world to be found or say your party goes to a, a magic store or something, then those you have a list of items that are available. Mm-hmm. So not every item in, <laughs> in the book is available. Um, and, Ben, and you can kind of talk about your your school of thinking. I've played in both types of games. I've played in a game where the DM was all about random tables. So, yeah. like at the end of a of a big fight, we would roll on the loot table and and find out what was there or what we got. Um, it was interesting. Uh, there was a lot of completely useless things that we got, um, and there were some there's one or two really ridiculous things that especially early on broke our power levels quite a bit, which was kind of fun, but at the same time, not because then it made 
combat really unbalanced for one or yeah. two people because now you're having to balance around this item in the game, but not everyone is at that power level. Exactly. So it, it, it can be, you can kind of get into stuff like that. Personally, I, I am of the, I'm of the thought school of the uh, more deliberate Mm-hmm. placing of items. Um, I've already kind of talked about, uh, I love to create items in my campaign that, uh, the player can find or pick up or is in some way connected to them from a story perspective. And then those items grow in power over time. That's, that's the kind of thing I like along with sprinkling, you know, other magic items that I think might be useful or this sounds interesting. I don't know what they'll use it for here you go, throw it, yeah. throw that into the world. Um, but it, that allows me to control the, the balance a little more, make it not make it so unbalanced because I know as a player, if one person's getting all the stuff or one person is getting the really awesome stuff and you're not, it can, it can definitely feel bad. And it's, and just to help me, it's nice to be able to, relatively speaking, keep my players' power levels close-ish to the same with regard to magic items themselves and make sure that everyone is getting that cool moment of, oh, I get something for me. Yeah. And it's not like you're, you're constantly going in thinking, okay, this thing is specifically for this character. This is specifically for this character. It's like if you have five people in your party and they, you know, defeat a dungeon and there's five pieces of loot, it's like, maybe don't go that specific, but, um, you know, throw in some fun things and, uh, make sure that, you know, if you do come up with something, that you know either multiple people can use it or you know have something that is tailored towards a person but make sure there's you know a, a variety of different things that there can be um i'm kind of in the same boat as you where i like to you know kind of pepper the the magic items uh you know more towards my liking of you know what i think actually fits in the situation where you know like um most recently they went through a mage tower and they, they came across a treasure room with like a crap ton of gold and platinum and also just some magic items that I'm like, you know, what would, uh, what would this, this, you know, mad wizard potentially have, you know, like if you killed other adventurers, what sort of items might he have found from them? What's something that he might've created that's kind of interesting and, and everything and, you know, doing what you can to kind of, um, you know, make it more fitting as opposed to just, uh, you know, Oh, Hey, I've got this really cool stuff. And also a, um, I'm going to randomly click on this and, uh, and a needle of mending, you know, I, I'm, I'm not for super duper random, like a little bit's okay, but I like being able to kind of know what they have access to. And that being said, I have made massive mistakes in the past. Uh, now I'm not saying that, you know, it, if I were, if I were to go back, I would probably change a couple things. And as it stands right now, like it's just the status quo of the game. It changed based on some of the things that, uh, you know, I gave my players access to. And, you know, the more magic items you put out there, the more you have to kind of keep in mind when you are building encounters or doing different things. And, uh, like you said, if, if you have one or two people who are just like massively decked out in magic items, then, that 
you know, alters the entire gameplay. If everybody's totally decked out of magic items, that also very much changes the gameplay. So, you know, a, a deadly encounter that you might have planned might just be a breeze because, hey, guess what? Everyone's got all this extra, you know, awesome stat stuff that really doesn't make any difference in a fight. Yep. Or makes totally. all the difference. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And so and it's, it's good when you're starting your campaign to kind of think through what type of game you want to be, like what, or what your system is, is going to be for giving out those sort of things because it will help you <laughs> in the long run and set expectations kind of at the same time. Yep, and make sure you kind of figure out pricing before they walk into that magic store because that's a big mistake I made too. I uh, One of my players got a cloak of protection for like Zuber Jeep because I'm like, oh, I don't know how much this is. So definitely yeah, start. Money, money is... Yeah, money is hard, and we may we may do a whole episode on like economy at yeah. some point because it's hard. It's there's mm-hmm. there's like a few guidelines, but not a lot. There's not a lot in fifth edition, especially on economy. So it's something exactly. we may we may do at some point in the future. Um, That'd be good because I have I feel like my economy fluctuates all the time i know because every everyone's is different like Mm -hmm. everyone's is different uh like dms don't give gold out at the same rate um some may be incredibly stingy some may just Mm -hmm. give it out like like candy and then it's just like okay how much does a ring of jumping cost Uh, one world it may just 50 gold, yeah. boom, super you common. In a Cracker Jack box. Yeah, and then some world is just like, that is 500 gold yep. right there. And on top of that too, it also depends on the world, on you know how magical is the world. Uh, in, in my homebrew campaign, I totally have magic everywhere because it's so much more fun to live in a magical world than you know having it be super rare and stuff. So you, know, you have to look at it accordingly. You know, our is magic more of an inherent thing? Uh, are people more magical because of the items they have? And just finding that sort of balance as well is uh, one of the challenges that's we're going to be looking at. Yep. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah, but now let's, uh, let's jump into, and so the, this is kind of uh, Ryan and Ben's fun time list of magical items. <laughs> That's a very is, good way of putting it. This is, this is stuff that you may or may not want to put in your campaign, but we're just going to throw some of these out because they're some of the ones we enjoy. We may not have even used them in our campaign because maybe they'll just break things completely. But there's, uh, but hopefully uh, they'll be fun. Maybe you'll learn about a few new ones. Maybe you'll hear about something interesting that you might want to put into your game or hear about something that could potentially break your game so that you don't have to live through that. Yeah. So uh, why don't you start us off, Ben? So I'm going to tell you about something that could potentially break your game <laughs> that uh, I silly, sillily enough, if that's even a word, we're, we're going with that. Um, two of my players have this 
and all because I'm like, oh, that's really cool without really thinking it through, without going through any repercussions whatsoever of what it could be. And it's the bag of tricks. Now, I think it's cool. I would want one myself, but I totally underestimated how easy it is to use. So basically what it is, it's a uh, uh, just an ordinary bag. And when you reach inside, you pull out like a small little fuzzy ball. You toss the ball out. When it lands, it transforms into a creature. And you roll a D8 to figure out what the creature is. And you can throw three per day. So that right there, depending on how the roll goes, completely can change everything that's going on. So just as an idea, there's three different colors. There's a gray bag, a rust bag, and a tan bag. And one of my players has a gray bag. Another one has a rust bag. So you can get like a weasel, a giant rat, um, you know, kind of, you know, things that could potentially, you know, cause some havoc and everything all the way up to like a dire wolf and a giant elk. That's just in one of the back. That's four of the things that you can get from there. And imagine throwing out three and the person rolls really well. And uh, yeah, you can get some crazy stuff. Uh, on the plus side, though, uh, one of my players, she actually names all the animals. And it is it has been an absolute blast with that. Uh, so we got a giant elk the other day and we had Elkton John. What happens uh, to the animals after after the 24-hour period? After the 24-hour period, they just disappear. Gone. Yep. Yep. Just no like more, if they're... No more Elkton John. Exactly. <laughs> Basically, so what I do is I have uh, at sunup is when the, the animals disappear. So, you know, they can like stand guard through the night or, you know, give warmth and stuff if it's a cold night out. Um, they also have been thrown into battle and, you know, r- pretty much died almost right away because they don't have a whole ton of hit points. And as soon as they hit zero, then they just disappear. But I mean, it, it's fun. We've had a lot of really cool, you know, like creative ideas that have come from it. Um, in fact, we had uh, my other player with one. She threw one out and happened to get a ram that uh, or a giant goat and uh, had it go and kind of spy on an orc encampment. And she happens to have speak with animals as a spell. So when it came back, she that's clever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're really neat and my players are using them really creatively or they're just bringing it out to have an animal with them because, hey, animals are cool. Except if they both throw out all three in a combat encounter, that's six more things to keep track of. Yeah, that's, that's always, that's always my debate when giving potential like summonable or items that Mm -hmm. provide summonables. It's just like, Oh, do I want to keep track of another, another thing? But then like you said, there is a lot of creative use for it. So and like I said, I say that it was a mistake, but in all honesty, it's not. It's just when all of a sudden they're like, okay, I'm throwing three out. I'm like, okay. And I mean, they're really good about keeping track of it themselves. So I really don't worry too much about it. And, you know, it's, it's the whole trust your players, players trust you kind of thing. And it works out really well. But when we're in the middle of combat and I pull out a ball, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> oh no yeah and if it's a weasel ready it's to great. add to the initiative order exactly if it's a dire wolf okay now now there's actually danger exactly but, 
But the cool thing is, though, is they've used that in combat a few times and it's saved people because there's other targets out there. So it, it, it worked really well for them. Yeah, meat shields. Exactly. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, one of the first ones I wanted to kind of uh, point out or shout out uh, winged boots. These are really interesting to me because I think they're incredibly overpowered. I know nothing like, about them. Absolutely incredible. So wing boots are an uncommon, so one step up, an uncommon magic item. Uh, they require attunement, and if you wear them, you have a flying speed equal to your walking, walking speed. You can use the boots to fly for up to four hours all at once or in several shorter flights, but they have to be at least a minimum of a minute. If you're flying when the duration expires, you descend at a rate of 30 feet per round until you land. The boots regain two hours of flying capability for every 12 hours they aren't in use. These are insane. That's pretty good. Like, I know that don't be fooled by the uncommon. And just, just as a note for DMs, flight is an extremely powerful ability just having the ability to fly in general because uh, it can really shake up your encounter design and encounter balance when you have player, a player or players that can fly. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's something you always have to think about whenever a player has a flying spell or you or gets, or you give or allow to buy something like these wing boots or they're playing like uh, a race that can fly. Um, and so it's, these specifically are incredibly powerful because these are basically better than a potion of flying, a potion of flight, which is, I believe, a very rare item. Yeah. Meant to be ridiculously more expensive and a one, one-time use. And so uh, it's, I just wanted to kind of point this one out because it's one that um, I've really not, I'm really not, uh, I really don't have plans to introduce just because of the, the potential headache they, they could introduce. It's like way better than the fly spell too. That lasts 10 yeah. minutes and you have to concentrate. Yeah. No, they're, they, they, I feel like these should be like a very rare thing mm-hmm. or something. So just, I, I kind of wanted to point this out because a, it's a really cool item for sure. It's extremely strong and just know what you're getting into. If you, you cause it is a little misleading if with how, uh, how it's marked. If you, if you allow these to be bought or give them out. Yeah, definitely. Wow. I'm glad you told me about that. That's pretty insane. I mean, why get a horse when you can fly? You know, four hours. Yeah. That is a very long time. It's a long time. And the, the regen rate is not too bad either. Two hours for every 12 hours, not in use. Like that's, and you don't, and you only need to make the flights at least a minute long. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot. That's basically... Oh, yeah. You want to scout? Now, 
less useful probably if you're dungeon diving as the majority of your campaign, but any type of open world scenario, very, very strong. And that's just kind of flight in general. Very true. In fact, that's um, not exactly on my list, but one of the things that I I actually want to bring up is the, uh, the broom of flying and then also the flying carpet. Um, If you're a fan of critical role, you are very familiar with these objects and it's funny because when they got them, they used them in so many different situations. I mean, travel is one of them, but they solved so many problems just by using those two things. And it, it definitely shows like how creative the players are because they were able to, you know, use them uniquely in to get through challenges where like, if they didn't have them, it would actually be incredibly hard. And yeah, flight, at it in any way and it is um, it's strong very much so very um, much just so. keep it in mind it's it is definitely a big a big balance thing yeah now um one thing that i actually gave one of my very first uh uh bad guys not 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 the big bad guy but well i mean he technically kind of was because the campaign started as a one shot but uh, i gave him the cape of the montebank Ooh, i've not heard of this one Oh, it's, it's it, the simplest thing. Basically, it's a cape that lets you cast Dimension Door as an action just once. And then after a long rest, you get it back. But it's cool, though, because when you disappear, you leave behind a cloud of smoke, and then you reappear in a similar cloud of smoke at your destination. And it like just makes magic. You, it, yeah, it's exactly like that. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, cool. Um, you know, it doesn't really say that... Uh, the the smoke is like you know massive or anything but it lightly obscures the space where you left and where you appear in so you know it it dissipates on your next turn but you can be you know get a little bit of cover from that but even more so just the idea of having a a a free unused dimension door is like a huge get out of jail free card if you need to and that's one of the reasons why my bad guy had it just to be all like oh i'm i'm you know a wizard i'm surrounded by a whole bunch of melee people just poof poof completely on the other side of the room and then on his next turn he cast invisible and uh tried to get out of there because they all surrounded him you know it's just and something he didn't that get out of there no he totally didn't get out of there <laughs> <laughs> now due to some incredibly smart thinking of throwing ball bearings on the ground turning it into difficult terrain and also a liberal use of fairy fire so worked out pretty well very nice very nice yeah, but um, you know, again, something like this, um, I I try to kind of realistically look at a bad guy to figure out, you know, what might they use as some sort of escape. You know, what sort of magical items would they gather or have on them? And I saw this, I'm like, this is really cool, and it just makes me think of Nightcrawler from the X Men, which is awesome anyway. And uh, I went with it. So yeah, the Cape of the Montebank or Mount Mountebank or whatever you want to call it. Very cool. Very cool. Um the this this next one is not necessarily a single item but kind of a uh, a group of items uh and that's mithril armor mm-hmm. so mithril armor is like a light flexible metal and it can come in anywhere from like chain shirt all the way up through plate so medium and heavy armor the cool thing about uh mithril armor is that normally heavy armor and medium armor cause 
disadvantage on stealth checks. Mithril armor is light enough that it actually negates that and you don't have disadvantage anymore. So it's, uh, it's a really great tool for a DM to allow a player, like especially a medium or heavy armored player to strive for, uh, to eventually negate that imposed disadvantage when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, for your paladins and your clerics who have heavy plate armor, this is really good stuff to have. It's just as strong, and uh, a giant cave troll can you know hit you with a a uh, javelin with it, and you'll be just fine if you're a halfling. That's about it. <laughs> But uh, going along with armor, though, I actually really recommend uh, tossing out a sentinel shield. Uh, This is something that it's just normal, completely normal shield, except for the fact that as long as your character is holding this or, you know, one of your players is holding this, they actually get advantage on initiative rolls and perception checks. Because guess what? The shield, it's kind of another eye. It's it's looking around. It's uh, seeing what's going on. It's pretty cool. Um, I mean, it's just a shield, but hey, you get some extra stuff on it. And like I said, the shield, it it has an eye on it. It's not necessarily like an actual eye looking around, but hey, magic, you never know. Yeah. And kind of uh, going off that, speaking of just like senses and perception and stuff, uh, one of the things as a DM that I always kind of watch out for, and you kind of figure this out early, is... When, when your players roll up your characters, there's almost certainly going to be one or more of them that have dark vision, which basically allows you to see in the dark. Um, sometimes it's just one person, and so that person is relied on, but then most everyone else in the party is kind of in the same boat. I've had situations where <clears throat> every single player has dark vision except one. And sometimes that can be funny and comedic and, and lead to some, some fun RP. But sometimes that can just turn in, depending on how often mm-hmm. it, the situation comes up, that can turn into a real annoyance <laughs> and just, just a real uh, detriment for that player when everyone else is just fine. They just keep having to remember, okay, there's no light in here. I have to do something or everything I'm doing is a disadvantage because I'm blinded essentially or whatever. So if you find yourself in that situation as a DM, you've got the goggles of night. And this is basically just goggles a player can wear and you get dark vision and natural range of 60 feet. Yep. Boom. That's all they do, but it can really help kind of rectify that deficiency in a party if that's something you feel is is needed yeah basically if uh, almost everybody is a race other than a dragonborn and a human they have dark vision <laughs> so definitely remember yeah. that <laughs> i still find that is one of the funniest things about all the different races and the, the racials that they have but um so talk about um you know kind of uh, missing out on something that some of the other players might have. Another thing that is super easy to just throw in and, and be able to kind of help out to uh, accommodate and, and make up for some, you know, lack of defense is the ring of protection. 
I mean, all it is is just a ring that you, you know, guess what? You get an extra plus one to your, uh, uh, what's it called? AC. Just simple as that. You know, it's a uncommon item as well. Uh, no, I take the back. It's actually rare. I would think it'd be uncommon, but that's because in my world, it makes sense that it's uncommon. But <laughs> yeah, nice little plus one to your AC. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so the last thing for me that is probably within decent reach of a normal campaign, uh, I, just, I just love this one. The Belt of Dwarven Kind. This is yeah. super fun because you get some cool stuff. Uh, so while you're wearing the belt, your con score increases by two to a maximum of 20. So that's pretty awesome. And you have an advantage on charisma checks made to interact with dwarves. Uh, the best part about it, though, uh, is in addition, while attuned to the belt, you have a 50% chance each dawn each day at dawn of growing a full beard if you're capable of growing one. I love that. Or a visibly thicker beard if you already have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, there's, there's just so much fun. And, and not only that, if you're not a dwarf and you wear the belt, you get advantage on saving throws against poison. You get resistance to poison. You get dark vision, another mm -hmm. way to give dark vision, out to a range of 60 feet, and you can speak, read, and write dwarvish. Talk Which, about like an all-in-one package in a rare belt. Exactly. It basically turns that character into a dwarf for all intents and purposes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty insane, honestly. Like, it's a, again, it's, it's one of those very powerful items honestly mm -hmm. uh that you can you can get but it's it is a great reward uh if you're looking to give someone a nice chunk of power exactly and as the dm you actually get to completely decide on if that character is able to grow a beard or not yep because who says that you know the magic isn't so powerful that say a dragonborn can't grow a beard Exactly. And you're the DM. If you want to roll like a D20 or something, like for a 50-50 to see if they grow a beard or not, that's great. Or you can just be like, I'm the DM. Today, you grow a beard. And then if they shave it off, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, maybe they just grow another beard. <laughs> I just love that that belt so much. I Hilarious. I haven't introduced it yet just because it's one of those things where I'm like, it's just so great. I need to have a really good place for them to find it. And I haven't found that spot yet. So if you're listening and you play in my campaign, there might be a belt of dwarf and kind somewhere in the world. Yes. In fact, as there should be. Oh, I just thought of the best place for it too. Okay. That's really why we do this podcast is to give ourselves ideas for it our really own campaign is. as we're talking. <laughs> Very true. Um, last but not least for me for just, you know, kind of uh, in, in the idea of a top five and stuff is something that we've probably talked about before. Cause I know we did touch on magic items before, but um, this one is something that 
is amazing to have if you're a caster, and that's the Ring of Spell Storing. It is a ring that holds up to five slots worth of magic. So that's, you know, one spell, that's a level five spell or five level ones or however you want to kind of, you know, play around with it and everything. And I actually found out from uh, Ryan here that, and this is something I never knew before, that anyone can cast into the ring. So, you know, if like, let's say you're a wizard and you're all like, man, I like all my wizard spells, but golly gosh that that's a warlock over there that eldritch blast is pretty cool i'm gonna have him cast it in my ring so then you have an eldritch blast available to you or like you know clerical spells yeah. or anything and yeah that's a that's a huge thing because it actually does say any creature can cast a spell a first through fifth level into the ring by touching it mm-hmm. which is which is really cool oh yeah i mean this is how you get a backup healer like in a really tight spot if you really need it or something or just something that you know like let's say you're a lower level you have one level five spell slot hey this is a way to have a second level five spell on you you know just something that's actually really handy that can make or break an entire encounter depending on how you have that thing stacked yeah very very cool item and and decently accessible yeah, it's it's actually not too bad. It's a rare item, but it's really not super crazy. Yeah, for sure. But you know what is super crazy? Some oh, of the yeah. ones we're going to talk about right now. <laughs> so these are these are a few of of our favorite uh, crazier, potentially campaign altering, campaign breaking, encounter breaking items. These are the types of items you don't usually see until you're much later into a campaign. Um, but uh, we wanted to kind of talk through a few of them. The first one, this one's super fun for me. Darren's Instant Fortress. I've always loved the idea of making your own house or getting your own, your own house. And this is an extremely cool item. So it's, it's a tiny cube. It's a one inch metal cube. You place it on the ground. You say it's command word. And the cube rapidly grows into a fortress that remains until you speak the command word, which dismisses it and turns it back into a cube. And it's a square tower, 20 feet on a side, 30 feet high, arrow slits, two floors with a ladder running between, the door only at opens at your command. Uh, it's immune to knock uh, and similar magic, such as Chime of Opening. Each creature in the area where the fortress appears has to make a DC 15 dex save or take 10d10 bludgeoning damage on a failed save or have as much as on a successful one and then pushed out of the space next to the fortress. It's made of adamantite. Its magic prevents it from being tipped over. The roof, the door, and the walls each have 100 hit points. They have immunity to damage from non-magical weapons except for siege weapons and resistance to all other damage. And only a wish spell can repair it. That's pretty cool. Super cool. Super cool. Instant house. And I mean, the fun thing is, is, you know, you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people just toss it out and start it up and see what happens. 
Yeah, if you can all get like 20 feet away, I mean, it's not a huge fortress. 20, 20 by 20 by 30, you know, that's, yeah. it's not, it's not huge, but it's not small either. But uh, 10d10 bludgeoning damage. That could end an encounter. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. And so, uh, yeah, it's, I love, I love the, the spells or the, the magic items that provide that like instant housing type mm-hmm. thing because I, I think it could it makes for very interesting uh play areas because you know uh like you've got the leoman's tiny hut mm-hmm. um you've got the magnificent mansion that is mm-hmm. much later level and this is kind of one of those like in-betweens right it's not it's not its own little demiplane somewhere with magical servants but it's not just like uh here's a half sphere yeah this will protect you from the temperature controlled (laughs) (laughs) so it's 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 makes a statement it's opposing really kind of an interesting yeah and i've never actually used one of these before but it is very interesting to me and like i said i would use it in combat to just try to clear the field if i need to now if i had wing boots as well just fly up you know, drop 20 it. feet away, drop it, fly out, and yep. uh, then just get right into the tower, close it up, and see what happens. There's there's a lot of things, and that's why we're talking about these things. Of, like, there's there's a lot of potentially encounter and game-changing things you can do with mm-hmm. a lot of these higher-level higher type items. Um, and it is, it is interesting to note that you can only fix it with a wish. So... Yeah. You could potentially give one of these to even a lower or a mid-level party. It's kind of cool, but it could get permanently damaged and they won't have any way to, to fix it either. So in some ways, it would almost be a, a, a finite, expendable type item. Yeah, and I mean, even with the wish, it doesn't fix the entire thing. It's, it, it, there's limits to it. it. It only do... It's like 50 hit, hit points per or something. Mm-hmm. Per yeah, 50 wish hit cast. points for either the roof, the door, or one wall. So you can seriously, like, screw this thing up and, you know, take it away from the players in some way, depending on, you know, however, you know, they're people might be attacking um, if they use it as a crutch a lot and your big bad evil guy has spies or has people who report to him and tells him about this you can easily think of ways around it too but for the player's sake it's a pretty cool thing yep for sure uh now we're gonna jump up a little higher even and we're gonna talk about some legendary items Oh, and these are like because none of mine are that, that I kind of picked for this section. Mine are just kind of fun. These are like the best of the best, like your much usually much later game type items that are that are just really cool. And one of the coolest, in my opinion, is the Vorpal Sword. Oh yeah, the Vorpal Sword is a plus three item just in general, but it has the really cool function that when you attack a creature that has at least one head and roll a 20, you cut the head off. That's cool. And the creature dies if it can't survive without the lost head. (laughs) So a lot of creatures. Not all of them, but a lot. 
there's there's a, definitely a caveat on the item that is the creature is immune to this effect if it's immune to slashing damage, doesn't have or need a head, has legendary actions, or the GM decides the creature is too big for its head to be cut off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead it takes a bunch of extra slashing damage from it. But it's uh, it's a very interesting item that you could give out because it's kind of, unless they're fighting a legendary or a creature with like legendary actions, it's a one hit kill Mm -hmm. type thing. So uh, super interesting, uh, super cool concept. You'll have to decide if it's something that you, you want used or not. That's pretty cool. Not going to lie. Never got to any point where this was even remotely close to anything that I had in a game. That's pretty cool. But it would be cool. Mm-hmm. It would be cool. That's that's the type of item you could actually attach some sort of cool quest. Yeah. To. Exactly. Uh, like, and like have the, it be the reward at the end. Or yeah. The weapon that will kill the big bad evil guy. The only thing that possibly could. Even if you don't cut his head off, it's still a pretty decently powerful weapon. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so that one's fun. But before we, we jump into kind of our player item side, mm-hmm. we would be remiss if we did not talk about one of the most... Uh, what's, what's the word? Uh, versatile? Versatile, versatile is good. Infamous is there. Was you the word go. That, yeah, there you go. Was the word I was looking for. Infamous items in D anD. d The deck of many things. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who haven't heard about this, this is basically a deck of cards, and there's uh, twenty-two of them. Twenty-two in a deck, and each card does a different effect, and most of them are in many ways, completely game changing. <laughs> yes. Some are good. Some are kind of neutralish, and some are very bad. Um, just to kind of give an example, uh, you pull the balance card and your mind suffers a wrenching alteration causing your alignment to change. Lawful becomes chaotic. Good becomes evil and vice versa. If you are true, neutral, or unaligned, the card has no effect on you. So automatically, so if a good character, let's say a lawful good paladin character, <laughs> picks this card, they are now a chaotic evil paladin character. That's a big deal. That's a big character adjustment, and that's uh, <laughs> that's just an example of some of the ridiculousness that can happen. Mm-hmm. Or the moon card, you are granted the ability to cast wish 1d3 times. That's pretty good. That's pretty I don't good. know how you roll a d3. But um, there are actually d3s out there. They're not in there the standard. No, yeah. there literally are. I've seen them and they look weird. Um, you can always do a I'm d4. Looking, I'm looking this picture up right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can do a d6 and then. You know, if it's four or more, just half it. Or yeah, or track one and two, three and four, five and six. Yeah, either way. Yeah, yeah. Um, like a, another one that uh, you know could be nice is the sun card. 
you gain 50,000 XP and a wondrous item, which the GM determines randomly, appears in your hands. You know, if you're actually playing with XP, that's actually a pretty big jump right there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is weird. Yeah, see, I told you. <laughs> it's a weird looking die. Weird looking dice. Yeah. Um, another thing that's great, uh, pull out the rogue card. A non-player character the GM's choice becomes hostile towards you. The identity of your new enemy isn't known until that NPC or someone else reveals it. Nothing less than a wish spell or divine intervention can end the NPC's hostility towards you. Or, at the very worst, ruin <laughs> all forms of wealth that you carry or own other than magic items are lost to you. Portable property vanishes. Businesses, buildings, and land you own are lost in a way that alters reality the least. Any documentation that proves you should own something is also lost. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I really think that the void might be something a little, uh, little worse than losing all your stuff. Uh, so this black card spells disaster. Your soul is drawn from your body and contained in an object in a place of the GM's choice. <laughs> One or more powerful beings guard the place. While your soul is trapped in this way, your body is incapacitated. A wish spell can't restore your soul, but the spell reveals the location of the object that it holds. You draw no more cards. Wish only reveals where you are. The most mm -hmm. powerful magic in the game. <laughs> yeah. It, it, this is, uh, like Ryan said, this completely changes your game. So if you're looking for a good way to possibly end the game, give them a deck of many things and see if they pull a card out. Yeah. It's, or uh, if you want to mix up the game, who knows? Yeah. If, if all of us, if you're, if you, you guys haven't been, haven't been feeling it or uh, it's kind of running stale and you, you need some way to, sh this is, this is the ultimate shakeup item or the ultimate ruin item or the ultimate throw all balance and caution to the wind item oh here it is talons that's the one i was looking for every magic item you wear or carry disintegrates <laughs> artifacts don't but they vanish yeah fun stuff yeah this can <laughs> this could definitely ruin ruin people <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Well, uh let's let's bring it's it back fun. down a little bit to another deck that's out there that uh actually my players have. And that's the deck of illusions. Ooh, that's yeah. a fun one. Yeah, it is actually really fun. Um so basically it's a it's a it's a 34 card deck and you pull out the deck, you pull a card, you throw it on the ground and boom, a very realistic looking illusion of whatever you pulled out. Uh, you know, appears. So this this can be any number of things from like a red dragon, you know, an illusion of a giant red dragon could appear to a beholder, a goblin, uh, a medusa, uh, just a random kobold or the deck's owner, you know, an illusion of them could pop up. And it is very good to especially cause distractions. Uh, in fact, my players have used this quite a bit and I got uh, on... I don't know where I found it. I, it might've just been on Amazon or something, but I got an actual deck of illusions deck. And so you pull it out and it has like the picture of the, the, the monster or whatever oh, on it. That's and everything. cool. Yeah. The, like that, sweet. 
in the deck of many things, that is like the perfect time to use a real prop. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Of some sort. Yeah. Luckily, Never is the one who actually owns the deck. So it works out really well because she can actually pull from the deck that way. But um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the illusionary creature appears completely real. It's the appropriate size. And it does and behaves just like the real thing, except it, it, it can't actually do any harm. Um, let's see. It says, while you're within 120 feet of the illusionary creature and can see it, you can use your reaction to move it magically anywhere within 30 feet of its card. So you can actually move it around and have it do things and stuff as well. Um, and the fun thing is, is that it actually does take an intelligence role, uh, an investigation check to figure out if it is actually a real thing or not. It's, it's a believable thing. It could be a lot of fun. So what's the, what's the craziest thing that's happened with it so far? <laughs> well, the, Cause uh, it's like a super powerful item, but at the same time, mm-hmm. kind of not. Yeah. So they were uh, in these caves and they had to, they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on with, with some kobolds. And so like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to throw some cards down, scare them, and see if we can get them to run away. So they, they pulled out two cards. And if I remember correctly, one of them was a dragon. The other was a mind flayer. And of everybody, uh, oh two, people, yeah, two people failed their investigation check and just took off running. And it didn't help that uh, um, we have a warlock who can actually just use telepathy anytime. So he spoke in their minds and totally backed up that whole investigation check on the mind flare. And it, it was crazy. It worked out really well. It made combat so much easier for them. That is, that is super awesome. Yeah. They've also um, like running away from something. They've thrown one down before to just kind of like, you know, try to stop things in their tracks or whatever. That didn't work too well, but that thing just kind of ran right through it and, you know, saw through the illusion. But I mean, there, there's some really fun shenanigans you can get up to with that thing. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Um, I think that's it for me. Oh, okay. Do you have anything else you wanted to, to throw out in our, our kind of our fun? These are cool items. Oh, yeah. Um, so are you familiar with the Hat of Disguise? I am. Yeah. I had a character that had one, actually. Yeah. We, this is another one of those really fun things. Uh, it, it's re, it requires attunement. But while you're wearing it, uh, just as an action, you can change your appearance at will. You know, completely. Um, now, if I remember correctly, uh, it, it doesn't actually... Um, you know, have the same disguise self. Oh no, because it does cast disguise self. Never mind, I lied on this. Forget I started saying something else entirely. But uh, you're able to cast disguise self on yourself as an action. So you know, you can make yourself. You know, what is it like a foot taller or shorter, um, and like add weight and everything. But you can make yourself look however you want with it. Um, one of the <laughs> one of the cool tricks that we had was someone was wearing it. And so they were looking for the hat of disguise. So they disguised self and just made the hat invisible on them. So they were still wearing it, using the hat to hide the hat, which was kind of crazy and cool. Um, another thing that's happened is, you know, making yourself look entirely different, you know, the race change in some form so that, you know, if someone's trying to hide you or find you, you can just hide in plain sight. Um, we actually have a fawn in our group 
and she used it to hide her antlers and you know looked like she wore just like a regular uh a hood over her cloak or over her head and i mean it's it's very versatile and can be used in a lot of different ways and again adding tons of different shenanigans to things because you know anytime you can sneak into some place you know without causing any sort of damage or harm and you can like totally bluff your way through it just it 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 kind of gets that excitement and tension going and it to me it's a lot of fun like i love little things like this that are just you know something to kind of play around with and really have fun and enjoy as a character yeah that's a super fun one and uh really can kind of bring out the creativity mm-hmm. of your party in a lot of ways and uh i think that's a probably a pretty good segue to to talking about uh our most useful magic items for your party and so this this list that we we've kind of come up with is a list that as a dm these are great items to provide to a party because they don't necessarily bring with them uh power Mm -hmm. or not not power in the the straight I'm going to kill you win combat type power. Um, these are more the creative items for scenarios just to kind of see what your party can come up with and how they might solve a given problem based upon what they have. And um, as a player, these are items to also kind of look into try to find, try to acquire because they do have a lot of utility type value. Um, and I would be remiss if the very, the very start, I didn't mention the immovable rod. I love that thing. This thing is, this thing has come up. I, I, I gave this to my party fairly early on and this thing has come up as a, as a solution or a partial solution to so many problems in extremely creative ways. It basically is a rod that you can click. And when you click the button, it stays where you clicked it and it can hold something like 8,000 pounds before it could move mm-hmm. or the, the magic for it breaks. Um, and so I, it's, there, there's so many, so many things like, uh, using it to uh, secure rope to get across things, using it to hold a person down. <laughs> oh yeah, so it, they can't move. It's using a Milner it, on top of the uh, Loki. Yeah, using <laughs> it in front of a door that opens out or opens in to keep it from from being open from the other side. Uh, <laughs> there's a. One of my one of my characters used it to. I'm trying to figure out how I would describe this. Basically, you know, uh, like the exercise things where you got the tower and you got the bar and you have to kind of. Oh yeah, the, go, the go up it. Yeah, the salmon ladder. Uh, and it's just like it's the thing the dude from the the dude from Green Arrow used all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had one of my characters use it like that. Just to get up higher, and so they use the the momentum 
unclicked the thing as the momentum was going up, went up a little bit and clicked it again. I was like, that is very creative. Uh, so yes, very, very cool item. Item you should look into as a part as a party or uh, allow access to. That's the end. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this is one of the dumbest items in the game, but I love it. It isn't really useful, but I love it. And are, are you familiar with the cloak of billowing? Uh, I have heard of the cloak of billowing. <laughs> So it sounds I think it's like isn't it like a bard's best friend? It can be, yeah. It's it does nothing really. Um what you do is you use a bonus action and then it just billows dramatically. That's all. That's all it is. But it is just so fun to just be out like walk into the room and did someone call me? Have the the cloak float around and everything like that. I mean, you can't use it to get out of any situation. Unless, you know, maybe you're trying to add it to some sort of dramatic storytelling. Maybe you're trying to persuade someone, um, you know, using it as like a, a punctuation to a story or a lie or anything that you're trying to do, or even a performance. Every moment is now a dramatic moment. Exactly. Now, if somehow you can get your hair to blow around as well at the same time, or go, you know, shave your head. There you go. It would be perfect but I freaking love the cloak of billowing just because it seems incredibly useless other than dramatic flair. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, on the, on the more useful utility side of things, <laughs> players seek this out and DMs make this available to just unless unless you're really unless you really have a good reason for like an encumbrance thing or making people need to carry a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Bag of holding. This is one in almost every campaign I've been in. This has been either available to buy early on or was quote unquote found early on, uh, and it's just because it makes. It makes things it it's it's less paperwork, mm-hmm. essentially. This yeah. is it's basically a bag that is two feet in diameter and four feet deep. It can hold five hundred pounds and sixty four cubic feet inside of it, and so it just becomes a nice little throw it in the bag of holding. Throw it in the bag of holding. Put it you know mm-hmm. put it in the bag of holding, uh, so that you don't have to worry about the the image of the character with the giant backpack and then like the stack of five swords and <laughs> the horse that's hanging off the side and just the just the whole the whole ridiculousness of some of the things that you're carrying if if you you as a dm or if your dm cares about the encumbrance uh just for general general everyday items, but it is uh, a fantastic, super fun item to have, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one that I personally like to make available fairly early on in the campaign. Yeah, in fact, um, when the first time they hit the magic shop, there happened to be three bags available. Two of them were bought because the third one was a uh, a bag of devouring. 
because you know why not have that in there as well because those are fun but uh, going along with that too is the portable hole now it's not exactly as easily to get in and out of as a uh, uh, bag of holding but the portable hole is well you know picture those uh, cartoons where you know you, you throw the the black circle on the wall and then all of a sudden it's a hole to somewhere well this hole happens to be 10 feet deep and you can just throw whatever you want in there totally works it's pretty awesome but uh as with Andy. um yeah very much so um but very very important uh make sure you don't try to carry too many people around in those things uh mainly because they do only have about 10 minutes of air bad things can happen yeah so you gotta be you gotta be careful exactly. it's the same type of thing with bagel holding there's not like air so yeah. you gotta be you gotta be careful. You can't throw living things in that and expect them to stay living for. Yeah, especially if they don't pass the strength check and uh, aren't able to get out themselves. Yeah, that would that that'd be rough. Yeah. Um, another super handy utility item uh, for casters it, that is uncommon and for the most part uh, should be fairly readily available in most games probably that are being run uh, pearl of power. Mm-hmm. These things are really cool because it's basically just a spell recovery utility item. You get to regain a spell slot of up to third level once a day. That's pretty good. It's a nice, nice little extra, <clears throat> extra resource um, takes up an attunement slot. It's something that I would, certainly make available to my players if they if they wanted something like that uh as it's not super powerful but it gives a little extra utility i like it um another uh, little handy thing uh, that i actually you know gave one of my players just because well i didn't give it to him he found it in a uh, you know a wizard sanctum because i figured it kind of kind of worked is a ring of mind yeah, the shield. wizard gave it to him <laughs> well the dead wizard had it lying on a shelf yeah. <laughs> but uh, the ring of mind shielding now this actually uh, allows you to have like any creature trying to like read your thoughts uh, determine your alignments know your creature type or actually you know try to determine if you're lying or not it, it completely blocks all that as well as uh, you get to choose if someone can speak to you telepathically or not which comes in pretty cool and handy but even more so if you die while wearing the ring your soul goes into it so that could be handy for reasons um the the one that uh, my player found happened to already have a soul in it and uh you know it finally randomly started talking to him after a few uh, adventures happened yeah that's uh, one of my, one of my players actually has one of these two and it's, it's certainly a really interesting item. And this could actually be a, uh, <clears throat> a great item to have from a DM perspective. If you didn't have like a cleric mm-hmm. in the party, or you didn't have somebody who could perform any sort of resurrection and you wanted to give a little bit of a, a safety net to a player, potentially uh, ring of mind shielding player dies soul enters the ring other players can take the body back somewhere else where it can be resurrected Mm -hmm. exactly while the player can still communicate and you could potentially you know do some some fun things with that as well Mm -hmm. definitely yeah so cool cool kind of item 
Um, and then uh, this one may not be as readily available, but it is an absolutely awesome creative thing to give your players. Um, if you've been watching Critical Role Campaign 2, you will have seen a little bit of the uses, although not probably for uh, Matt's, poor Matt's intended purposes. It is the uh, <laughs> Molzer's Marvelous Pigments. And these allow you to paint things that then become real. Uh, so there's, it lists a lot of different stuff like, um, painting a, an object or train feature to become real, uh, like, uh, like doors, on a wall. pits, flowers, trees, cells, rooms, weapons. Uh, they're all non-magical, but so it's like, oh, I'm in a cell paint, 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 paint. There's no bars here anymore. Or this is now a window. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. this is, this is all sorts of, um, in, if you have a creative player, this is like one of the ultimate rewards that you can give to a creative player. Cause mm -hmm. it would, it will allow them to do a lot of very unique and fun and unexpected things. And if as DM, you feel comfortable being able to react to that, it's it's a great player freedom type mm -hmm. item. Definitely. And just super cool. Yeah, lots of fun to play around with too. I I personally haven't had one, but there have been situations where I'm like, oh, if only I could create this. Oh, if only I could do that. And I mean, being able to really think outside of the box is the key to really using those to their full potential. And if you do have a player that can do that, it's it, it, it'll be a treat for everybody at the table. Definitely. Um a little bit more utility and everything like that. Uh, I am actually a fan of the ring of the Ram. It's a, a little bit more of a rare item, but it's something that's great, especially in my opinion for casters. Um, now, basically all it is, is just a ring they wear. And then if they want to, they expend some slots or charges on it and uh, cause some force damage to a creature with, you know, within melee range. And if successful, it also pushes them back five feet. So it gives the the wearer the opportunity to kind of run away without having an opportunity attack on them. So not only does it, you know, cause some damage, but on top of that too, you get a good chance of uh, kind of extracting yourself from a very scary situation. So recommended for those casters out there. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very cool one. Um, my last kind of fun slash utility one is uh, an item called the alchemy jug. Mm -hmm. <laughs> doesn't do anything. To, it doesn't like kill people faster, but it's an incredible uh, utility type item. It's a jug that allows you to produce multiple types of liquids. And so you can, the, the jug can produce one type of liquid a day. And so you have cool stuff like acid, poison, beer, honey, mayonnaise, mayonnaise, <laughs> yes, mayonnaise, oil, vinegar, water, fresh and salt, and wine in different quantities. And so it's 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 an incredibly cool item that probably won't have much to do in a combat scenario, but could be really cool in 
a role play scenario or a scenario where they're traveling and you need fresh water, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. So it's, 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 it's a fun item. Uh, and it's just another one of those items that you can kind of give out and then see what the players do with it. So speaking of the alchemist drug, <laughs> my players have one of these and so our warlock was really unhappy with the place where he was staying. They were kind of being blackmailed into doing something. And so they had free reign of this house while they were, you know, prepping and, re- and getting ready to, to go do this heist. And so before they left for it, uh, he just poured a ton of mayonnaise in this, this guy's drawers, just ruining any paperwork, anything that was in there. And it, it was quite hilarious when it happened just you know wow i love it (laughs) best use of mayonnaise (laughs) so far so far um now another kind of utility one that i have that i really recommend that uh you know comes into play later on it is more of a wondrous item basically based off of what it's made of though but if you get hit a lot or like let's say someone's coming at you with a vorpal sword you definitely want to make sure that you have a cloak of displacement because this causes every single attack on you at disadvantage unless you get hit. If, as soon as you get hit, then for the rest of that round, until your next turn, you're, you don't have that disadvantage anymore. And it's a really cool item because it's very simple. All it is is just a cloak. And I mean, it's made out of displacer beast hide, if I remember correctly. But it is incredibly powerful and incredibly helpful to have. And here's another one of those things. If you do give this to one of your players, understand that this completely changes combat for them. There's going to be a very good chance that they're just not going to get hit for a while. Yeah. Potentially it's one of those potentially incredibly powerful or super useless right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, any, any others, anything else, Ben, before we Um, move on? Just the really, really super simple, um, uncommon item of a, uh, a boot of elven kind. Just, you know, give you advantage on stealth checks. Just very simple. A ranger, Uh, a rogue, great to track those down. Or an armor wearer, like a heavy armor wearer. If you don't have access to mithril, if you can find one of these, just, you know, you're not at disadvantage anymore. You're just straight roll. Yeah. Very true. And if all these items aren't enough for you, aren't sparking (laughs) some things, there's, first off, there's way more. Oh, so much more. The the Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide, the, a lot, tons of the, several of the other source books, they all have magic items. Mm -hmm. So you've got a plethora of magic items at your disposal just staying within the official D&D bounds. Yeah. However, if you're looking for some more interesting or exotic or just other, even common, uncommon, whatever, to, to fill out your repertoire or just kind of give you ideas, you can jump over to the DMs Guild. And there are all sorts of published works, some uh, free, some pay, that have extra magic items one that i wanted to shout out that is uh extremely well put together it's probably one of the more expensive ones 
uh, on the site. It's like $14.99. It's called Artifacts of the Guild. And this adds 260 new magic items. 10 Whoa. artifacts, 30 legendaries, 50 very rares, 70 rares, and almost 100 more like common, uncommon magic items that you can use for your game. Stats and everything all put together for you, just waiting to be picked up and used. That's pretty cool. That is a ton of stuff. But if you like all that you saw there and you want even more, D&D Beyond has an incredibly extensive list of homebrewed magic items. Now, the caveat that I'm totally throwing in here is, is that these might not be balanced at all. They might be the absolutely best item in any game or the absolute worst. So definitely, if you're going through and kind of looking at them, um, de- like read the description, be very certain what you're looking at before you decide to throw something in the game. And if it is something homebrew, of course, um, you know, be very open with your players too, that, you know, if it is something that is like way overpowered, you might tone it back a little bit or, you know, make some changes to it and everything. But uh, it's also a very good resource to see just, you know, kind of things that other people have come up with. Um, I know I've created a couple of different homebrew things that are, I mean, they're not available because the stuff I make is kind of, you know, not a super well thought out or it's just a simple joke or something kind of crappy, but um, there, there's plenty there to look for, to look through. And if anything, it can give you ideas for creating your own stuff, or you just might find something that is really neat that you just want to add into your campaign. Yeah. And remember too, even if, if you if you're pulling from from homebrew usually if you you go to the dm's guild and publish works mm-hmm. usually those will have a little more vetting a little more balance yeah definitely. those those types of things uh so there should be less for you to have to worry about when you're pulling from homebrew items or when you're making your own balance is potentially an issue and you know what it's it's one of those things where do not be afraid if you give an item to a player and it is underpowered or overpowered to work with them and tone it back a bit. And especially, especially if it's an item you, you give to a player that has the, you think the potential to be overpowered, just tell I mean, it's not bad to tell them, Hey, this I'm, I'm working on this. I think it'll be pretty cool. I don't know if it's balanced. So if we need to tweak it as we go, we can. Yeah, exactly. And feel, can, feel free to do that. It's not a bad thing. You can definitely find uh, different ways of sorting. Like things with very high views are probably a, more, a lot more uh, balanced than things that are just kind of on there that nobody's really kind of seen or played with. Um, same with, uh, you know, different editions or, you know, version numbers of things. There's a rating system, um, tons of different stuff that you kind of look, look through there for on just D and D beyond. But again, DMS guild, like Ryan said, much more vetted things like that, but you do have plenty of resources to go out there and just really play around with uh, what you can give your players and you know, what you can create as well. It, it, it's your world. Do what you want and have some fun with it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so before we wrap up, of course, uh, we'll hop in uh, for just a few minutes to what we've been up to in our games. So, Ben, what have you been up to? Oh, man. Let's see. 
So if I remember correctly, I, the last time I talked uh, about the game, uh, they had fought some ghosts, some players got aged, and then uh, we've had two sessions since then. And the first session, the entire time was travel getting to the city that they're, they were going to. Now, this is a, uh, a city that they've never been to, and I am actually incredibly happy with it. Uh, I've got a, a pretty, what I think, kind of decent story about how it came to be and everything like that. Um, they haven't had a chance to, to really dig into it too much because our last session, they had just gotten there. They you know, found the first, uh, or they found an inn. There's plenty of inns there. But uh, they went to the Discreet Pants Inn. And uh, very discreet, very discreet. Uh, it, it happened to be in the Dwarven district, so you know, very rowdy, very fun. But uh, it had the best food in town, so you know, they they had they made their choice, and I think they're pretty happy with it. Um, but uh, they had a lot of really good RP going on. Uh, we have a new you know player with us, like I, I mentioned before, my sisters joined in, um, and uh, the bard got to do a really awesome performance, you know, earning their keep in, in the inn and everything like that. Uh, and then they found out that uh, the town was actually created by a silver dragon. You know, we talked about before how they can, you know, create their layers made out of clouds and turn it into, to, uh, or make them as hard as stone. Well, the city is made of clouds. Just happens to be in the mountains. And I think it's really cool. It's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, they're about to... Uh, talk to the order of the silver wing which is the 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 bahamut worshiping uh, kind of uh you know religious group and everything that's going against this cult that's been uh, kind of popping their heads up and uh, they're gonna find out a bunch more information about that and uh, figure out what their next steps are that's awesome yeah I, uh, it was what a it was fun a, reveal yeah it was a great last couple sessions just a, a lot of rp and you know it was a a big dungeon crawl um oh they they stopped back in midday the town where they they had uh made the treaty between the orcs and the humans and uh that town's going pretty good they're they're starting to work together um even more so that the orcs are learning how to farm as well as protecting and it's going pretty good. Like they're, they're making a lot of change in the world and uh, hopefully I'm reflecting it well enough for them to see. And it's, it's, it's turning into pretty cool stuff. That's awesome. Very, very cool. How about you? What's going on in your campaign? Yeah, I'm trying to, trying to remember, right? So I believe last, last we recorded, I was about to have a session mm -hmm. and talked a little bit about, um, uh, gray man the resurrection ritual that yes we were gonna do and so yeah uh so that session happened um a day or two after we recorded and um it was a it was kind of um in a lot of ways it was kind of like a wrap-up type arc wrap-up type session uh just because big big battles over they're still kind of trapped in the mountain uh they they kind of put themselves back together a little bit. And then we had the moment and everyone was super surprised. Uh, I think the player that, that plays our Ranger was like super like, Whoa, this is kind of cool. I get to set some DCs and, and now the DM is now rolling against my numbers to try and uh, stop this, this resurrection so that uh, as his, patron the gray man put it i can ascend 
I'm sure it's no, no issues there at all. Oh, definitely uh, not. You know, when a patron says I'm going to ascend, there's never anything wrong with that. No, no, not at all. Uh, so that we had the thing. It, it was a best of seven rolls. It actually came down to, it went to six. Uh, it ended up being four and two. Uh, and the, the two came at the very, the very end at rolls like uh, rolls four and five. And so he'd been doing good and he rolled super good. It was, it was really annoying a little bit <laughs> how good he was rolling. Uh, and I was rolling like crap, but in, in the end uh, it, it worked out really well and it stopped the resurrection. That guy is now gone. Like my villain that could have come back is oh, that's awesome. It's gone. It's a permanent thing. I had no idea how it was going to play out. If they had been able to resurrect him, that dude would have come back with a vengeance. Oh, I bet. Especially against the specific party. And, you know, his lieutenants and potentially, you know, the kingdom may end up doing that. Who knows? But, he specifically is now gone and the power from his, his, his soul basically fueled the gray man enough that he broke free of his weapon prison and ascended to essentially demigod status. Oh. <laughs> and so this all happened in like the, or the aftermath of it all happened in plain view of the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. And so it became a super kind of contentious point and the party taught, talked about it they put it to the side for the moment to and they escaped escaped the mountain got back to the city um and they <laughs> because the 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 dwarven district was more or less in shambles they ended up going to the inn of the obelix who is now kind of their their oh, friend? Awesome. <laughs> who and he he's he, it, it's super funny, and I just love how that whole thing was worked out. So now they've got they're just like, where can we go to be safe? And hilariously, like two or three of them are just like, well, we do know the boar's head in, and it just happens <laughs> to be the inn, this obelix who they who they let live, or at least they didn't fight runs with copies of them oh like various states of copies of several of them um and and so they they end up going there and he is just delighted to see them again and he he continues going on about how you know as they like order stuff and as they get rooms and stuff how this is most definitely a real inn (laughs) Because look at all these, look at the, the services it's providing. This is very mm-hmm. much, a re- he's very proud of it. Um, and so they, they, had, they had their evening and in the morning they all came down and they actually ended up having an incredibly good RP session to deal with all the stuff that had happened. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments, like they don't necessarily happen like super often, but it was one of those moments as a DM where I was just able to just sit back and just listen Mm -hmm. for quite a while. And I love being able to do that because that really shows that your players are invested and they care and whatever they're talking about is a big enough issue that they're keeping it 
completely going without any intervention from you. Yeah. So that to me made me feel really good. And that's one of those things when you have like those, you know, heavy RP sessions and people are are talking or learning about each other or just, you know, exploring the world that you've kind of put in. It, it, it just brings a DM a lot of happiness and just a lot of like warmth just to know that, Hey, they're, they're there living in this world. And you know, the things that happen affect them. They're, they're talking in character, enjoying things that you you know, you set up and then you just kind of let it lie. Like, one of my favorite things as a DM is to just not say anything for, you know, like a half hour, hour at a time because they're interacting and doing everything themselves. And I, I'm glad that we both got to do or experience that over the last, you know, session or two. This is, that's great. Yeah. And so they, they flushed that out. They went and saw basically the ruling council. Uh, the council of five is, is what it's called in my world. Um, and to kind of discuss what had happened uh, they were able to, uh, the archmage was there who, uh, fun story. The, the archmage in my world is actually, uh, one of my first characters that, oh, I, cool. that I played, uh, a wizard. And so it was, it was fun to be able to, and this is, this is a great thing to do as a DM, uh, retired characters and stuff, especially to bring them in and make them NPCs. Yeah. In, in some way, shape or form to kind of keep them alive and keep them, keep that, that, that spirit going a little bit. And so that's a lot of fun. They were able to open their incredibly intricate arcane box that contained what appeared to be plans uh, for a dwarven airship, oh. which that technology doesn't exist in my world currently. So that was, that was kind of a, a cool, a cool thing that, there are these plans. It was never made. Does it work type thing. And, uh, <laughs> and then there's the, they, the council just talked about all the potential things they were dealing with. Uh, the fall, the fallout of, you know, uh, killing a, a general of this other city, uh, stuff going on in the mountains, stuff going on in the waste, stuff going on in the other city that is currently devil infested and getting worse and worse. <laughs> that they just let lie from the very, from the very start of the campaign. (laughs) And it's just been simmering in the background and growing. And I've been throwing in teases and stuff in it as, as Mm -hmm. things have been progressing. So, uh, so we're basically now, and I told them at the end of the session, I was like, all right, we are, we are basically about to enter a, a period of downtime. The ruling council gave them, permission to uh or basically gifted them a house in whatever district they wanted um they have a few weeks of downtime now to do whatever it is they want so i'm basically talking with the players to figure out when we do our downtime session next session what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? Is there personal character things? Is there stuff you want to buy? Is there there things you want to go do and get ready? And so I've had a dialogue with each of them separately. And then they've been talking in our, in our discord and such about what do we want to do at the house? What do we want it to be? And uh, just even uh, a day or two ago, one of the, one of the members was throwing out something like, Oh, it'd be cool if we could get a, you know, have a, jokingly it'd be cool if we had a house where you had a door that could just 
flip to whatever district you wanted it. So it can be in all of them. That's and I, cool. and I latched onto it and I was just like, that's, that's Hal's moving castle. Yeah. That's, why not? that's cool. So I was like, okay, I'll talk to the archmage and see what he says. And so then I, I, I wrote up a little something and the archmage loved, loved the idea. Thought it was very interesting, very unique. And so he's making a home for them in a pocket dimension. It's not going to be super huge yet because it takes a lot of energy and time to create these types of things. But essentially, they'll have a facade house in the, in the Elven district. And the, the Dwarven ambassador gave them one in the Dwarven district. And if they want more, they're going to have to go acquire the real estate in the other places. But essentially, with special keys, they can unlock these facade doors, open them up to their house that's in this pocket dimension, and then exit into the Elven district or into the, the Dwarven district, depending on when, where, they, where they go that that's really cool and okay so fun fact or fun kind of side similar story um i i told you about my uh my magic shop owner matilda right uh-huh yeah, yeah. yeah. so um when the 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 players actually went to go fight the the mage in the or the, the wizard in the mage tower and everything like they had left her like busily researching something so when they got to the city in the town, they got to the Temple of Bahamut. Uh, she was there with everybody, kind of ready to confer. And this is the first time that they've ever seen her outside of her like little pocket dimension shop. And I, I, I threw a little uh, uh, insight check in there, and uh, she's super nervous for some reason. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just just throwing that out there. Yeah, that's fun. But yeah, no, it's I was just like, you know, these guys are almost level ten. They're they're getting close to level ten. They they just did this this big huge thing. Uh, this is this would be a cool reward. This would be a, a really cool cool reward type thing. Allow them to traverse the city a little easier. Give them mm-hmm. some goals to work for if they want to acquire more real estate. Give our magic user. Um, some goals to work for for potentially adding rooms via arcane means and expanding their house inside this pocket dimension. So it it it's going to add a bunch of potential like future future things. And yeah. so next session we're gonna we're gonna run through the downtime both in RP and just kind of list list wise like uh, for each style. exactly for each of the the characters things that they want to get done and then the characters will then be able to decide what thread they want to pull on next at the end of the session so very cool that's that's where we're at and unfortunately with uh things getting busier again and schedules and whatnot and plus uh, i've got a baby coming soon mm-hmm. uh our, our next session is, has been postponed until July 10th. So it's, we're, it's back to feeling like old times. <laughs> and, you know, the <laughs> month, month-ish between, between sessions. But uh, it's, it's, I guess, a decent one to have that happen. Yeah. For, just because uh, there's, there is extra planning and stuff that's going into it. And hopefully then when we get, all get back together, we'll have a really clear plan we'll be able to play through and 
then they can decide what happens next and then it's all new arc prep exactly well it's good i'm i'm really happy that you've been able to kind of um you know put a good close on it and everything especially with it um you know kind of coming to a, a a natural stopping point already with uh you know life kind of coming back to uh, the way that things are going so yeah sounds like you guys are, are in a very good place to uh you know start that next step when you get to uh, get together and play next time yep my my ultimate goal as a dm and it may be everybody's ultimate goal as a dm i don't know i'm not every dm uh <laughs> my ultimate goal is to play a full campaign through to level 20 that's what with, I'm hoping with for. roughly the same, same group of people. Yeah. That's, that, that's my ultimate goal. And it's, it's one of those hard things is just like, I could give a level a session and boom, we could, we could be a level 20, yeah, but uh, that's, that's <laughs> not, it's, it's, it's not the same. Like mm-hmm. everything, everything they've done, they have, they have earned. And we have been playing for a little over two years and they're about level 10. Yeah. And so, uh, and we've, we've been playing, uh, we got to play a little more recently. And so you have to kind of take into account how often you can play when you're leveling characters through milestone and, and stuff like that. But, uh, that is, that is definitely my ultimate goal. I would love to get to 20, have them take on an insane challenge and then be able to epilogue anyone that survives. <laughs> yeah because uh when you get to 20 you're essentially gods at that point with what you can you know kind of dish and take and everything so it definitely uh, raises that bar quite a bit yeah for sure yeah well very well yeah uh so it's been a lot of fun i'm i'm excited to hear what you you're you guys have next and yeah i can't wait to tell you the stuff (laughs) like i can't reveal it yet it's it's all just like they got to the point where it's gonna be revealed and i'm just like can't do it yet so close so close but that's that's part of the fun of dnd right exactly well that is it for our show tonight thank you guys so much for joining us and uh before we go ben why don't you tell us uh don't well i mean you could tell us but why don't you tell other people because we already know (laughs) where we can be reached well you know if uh you want to tell some of your stories of role-playing or you know share some of your magical items that uh are must-haves in your campaign you can always email us and send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com and of course if you have uh, just a really quick message you want to send our way and uh you know have a much better chance of us responding uh, a lot faster you can always uh, send those via twitter uh, to at Dean Discussions. Uh, we'd like to talk to you about, you know, anything. We take, uh, you know, topic suggestions and, you know, stories from you. Just anything that you want to send us, we're there for it. Um, but here's the thing. If this is the very first episode you've ever listened to, guess what? There's more. You can actually find every single episode on dndiscussions.com as well as on, uh, you know, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, like everywhere. You can, you can find us. We're, we're out there. Uh, but if you're looking for Ryan specifically, hey, Ryan, where would people be able to find you? You can find me on Twitter at TVKazel. Yep, and if you're looking for me, I am at Ben Bumhofer. And last but not least, if you're like, 
Man, these guys sure do talk about the game a whole lot. I wish I could hear them play. Well, guess what? You can do that as well. Uh, we are on a show called Plus Five to Hits, and uh, it's an, a persistent campaign where we're going through, playing, and having a bunch of fun. So, yeah. Until next time, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Ryan, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Always and a pleasure. I got to say... I'm gonna dig around more with more magic items because I like I want to give my players everything, but I can't. <laughs> exactly. So uh, just know we want to. Oh, we really want to. There, but we there's can't. so many things that but we, we want. Tell, to. Like, I'd be so cool if you had this, but no, we can't. can't. Yeah, it's like a, it's a, like it's like a code. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so until next time, everybody, make sure you be good to each other. Take care.